I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, Welcome to the Badass Book Club with me, Harriet Minter, and this week we are meeting one of our favourite badass women, June Sapong. Hello, June. Hey, Harriet. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming in to talk about your book, Diversify. Uh, we are very excited to finally have you on the Badass Book Club because Yay. I feel like I've been referencing this book now for about a year. All I do is it, but in Diversify, I think you'll find. <laughs> um, for anyone that has not been the subject of my lectures, tell them a little bit about what the book is about. Yeah, so the book is about how you how you basically connect with the other, whatever the other is for you. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is about us being completely honest and recognizing our unconscious bias and looking at the way that we can be prejudicial. Um, and also the next step beyond that is the benefits when we are able to overcome these biases because Actually, society benefits when we create a framework where everybody can contribute to the best of their ability. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's about why diversity works for everyone. It seems so straightforward when you put it like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so obvious. Um, what prompted you to write this book? Because it is a properly researched, well thought out it's not a kind of, I'm going to sit down and have a, a scribe. It's a lot of effort in this. What made you do it? Well, the thing that made me decide to write the book was when I came up against my own unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. I um, uh, grew up in a very multicultural area. I'm the daughter of immigrants. Um, I've worked in the media my whole life. And so, you know, my whole life has been about connecting with people from all walks of life. And somehow finding common ground. So I honestly didn't think I had any unconscious bias. Um, And also, you know, being a working class woman, a black woman, I always looked at this issue as being on the receiving end as opposed to doing it myself. And a few years ago, I was in uh, America filming and there was a young man on set who I immediately noticed for all the wrong reasons, Harriet, and I made all these assumptions in my head about who I thought he was. What was he like? Well, he had tattoos, and he wasn't the kind of person that you would usually see on a television set, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I was intimidated by him. 
And he could sense my discomfort, and therefore he was going out of his way to seem non-threatening and, and to be helpful. And I thought, oh, my God, that's what it is. Wow. When you meet someone you perceive to be different, and that you know disconnect sets in and the wall goes up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a burden it must be for him if even somebody like me prejudges him. Yeah. And so that's what made me want to start the conversation, and here we are. Um, I hope that all our listeners do know what we mean by unconscious bias but in case anyone doesn't can you give us a bit of a definition yes of course well it's any ism so whether that be racism sexism classism and the thing is you know we've all been conditioned to have them in society because we've all been conditioned to have ideas about who we should uh, connect with who reminds us of ourselves who we should close ourselves off to and so on so it's about looking at what your isms might be and I actually prefer the word ism because I think most people aren't bad people you know most people don't set out to be uh, di- to discriminate it's because we've all been conditioned to and I think it's about also having compassion uh, as to why someone might think the way they do obviously extreme views are something else but I'm talking about most people that are yeah. actually somewhere in the middle it's about having compassion for that but also being honest about it and calling out limiting beliefs yeah. but in a way that allows somebody to change so the thing I think is really interesting about it I do a lot of work around unconscious bias with businesses Mm. and organisations is that it's about getting people to understand that it is just a part of humanity. You can't not have them. Yes. Unless you've been walking around with a blindfold and earmuffs on for your entire life, you just, you can't not have them. They have been put into your head. They are there. From day one. Absolutely. And that's okay. (laughs) That is okay. It's okay for that to exist. It's not okay for once you're aware of it to then keep acting on it. Yes. And, and, And also, I think the thing is, it's also understanding why it's been put there, which is why I think it's really, you know, for me, why I wanted to make sure that the book was well-researched. Um, and, and that's why I, I partnered with Oxford University on it, is that I wanted it not just to be anecdotal, but yeah. to be able to have the numbers there. Because when you see this sort of inequality in number form, you can't argue with it, yeah. you know? Then it's stitched staring you straight in the face that oh my god women are paid this much less than men oh my goodness um black men are more likely to be imprisoned for the Mm -hmm. same offense um as as a white person and so on and so on and when you look at this stuff you're like okay well then there's got to be a reason for this and that's why it's really important to understand the historical context of a lot of this stuff so we see why we think the way we think it's not we woke up thinking that way you know lots of very um, unjust practices that were performed by our forefathers Mm -hmm. are still being played out today, but we have the opportunity to change things. And I think that's what's really important. One of the things that's really fascinating about the book is you kind of concentrate on the UK and the US. Yes. Um, And there's a bit quite early on where you talk about the rates of incarceration of black men in the US. And you say Ava DuVernay's powerful BAFTA-winning Netflix documentary 13th chronicles how the abolition of slavery and the subsequent exploitation of the 13th Amendment, which Mm. deemed it unconstitutional to hold a person as a slave, have led to more black men being locked up now than ever were during slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In America, as it stands now, 
one in three African-American men aged between 21 to 45 who go through the criminal justice system at some point in their life. That is insanity. And, And then when you look at what many are being imprisoned for, it is unbelievably ridiculous offences that don't deserve prison time. And this is the kind of, I mean, obviously, serious offences yep. are something else. But if you look at what's causing that alarming rate of incarceration, many of those crimes should not be imprisoned, offences that people are imprisoned for. And the other thing you talk about in the book is the kind of almost the double discrimination which comes with being a black man and then being a poor black man. So you can't afford yes. the best defence. So yes. you're more likely to take a plea deal. Exactly. And yeah, then you're more likely to end up in jail. Yeah, 95% of um, uh, uh, defendants um, take a plea deal. So mm. it doesn't go to trial, which means that actually often you take a plea deal because what they have in the States, which is what's really caused this, um, is mandatory sentencing. So yeah. if there is a crime, there is a mandatory sentence, and the judge isn't allowed to in any way waver from that figure, regardless of the set of circumstances, and cannot take the set of circumstances into consideration. So if you are up for uh, a crime that has a mandatory sentence of, I don't know, 30 years, but really you probably should serve two or three, you know it probably makes more sense for you to take a plea deal and serve perhaps 10 years, 15 years, than take the risk of being convicted and getting 35 years. This is crazy. Yeah. Absolute insanity. Do you think with the... I, I say this. So, I mean, it's a stupid question I'm asking, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think uh, post-Obama that anything has changed? I feel like the answer is such a firm no because of what happened afterwards. But... Well, what I will say is, you know, with a lot of this stuff, we won't really know the full effects until later in terms of, you know, when the generation that grew up uh, with Obama as leader grow up in the same sense as, you know, our generation, we had Margaret Thatcher. And mm-hmm. for sure... That had an impact. And I think optics matter. And so there's a generation of young kids of all ethnicities that believe, of course, somebody of colour can be president. Of course. And yes, of course, we have all of the problems that we have now. Um, But I do think that if you look at the sort of the history of America, I do believe that it does have a way of course correcting as a country. And I think that, you know, what's going on with Trump, I'd be very interested to see what happens after Trump. You know, now even somebody like Mayor Pete, who is the uh, openly gay candidate in the Democratic primary, I mean, he is getting so much attention and he potentially has a shot. And perhaps that would never have happened without Donald Trump. So, you know, it's funny how this stuff works itself out. Hmm. What do you think, given the circumstances that we live in and what's going on around us in the world and I feel now that we live in a time where at least we can make our voice heard in a way that we've never been able to do before in the book you talk about some of the key things that we can all do to Mm. start to bring the world together a bit more yeah um can you tell us about some of those yeah of course so um I have a theory in the book called six degrees of integration yeah (laughs) 
Christina. And these are six steps on how you can better connect with the other. So the first is to check your ism, um, uh, challenge your ism, which obviously mm-hmm. is everything we've been talking about. And on diversify.org, uh, there is an ism calculator, uh, which is an unconscious bias test that the Oxford uh, University team created. So you can go on there and check out uh, perhaps where some of your limiting beliefs might be. Uh, then the second I think is really important, which is to check your circle. And obviously, uh, you badass women definitely demonstrate in terms of what circles should look like. But I think for most people, most people don't have diverse friends, diverse friendship groups. And most people yeah. certainly uh, aren't comfortable with that sort of diversity in their social group. So I think if your social group isn't diverse, you then need to create a new connection. Hopefully, in creating a new connection, you will change your mind. And in changing your mind, we can uh, celebrate difference, which I think is really important. And then the sixth is to champion the cause, get other people doing it. The more of us are sort of practicing these uh, inclusive ways of being, um, I think it's very important. I think I love what you said there about getting other people to champion the cause because one of the things that I have been both frustrated by and have had to come to come to accept is that uh, when I am up on my feminist high horse, there are a lot of men that have just Love stopped. Li- I know they're the best ones. They've <laughs> got the best manes. Uh, <laughs> um, there are a lot of men out there that have just stopped listening and mm. they're not going to listen until a man says the same thing to them. And then they will listen. And for, I don't know why that is. I don't know what's happening in our psychology that makes it easier for us to hear difficult things from people who look like us or whatever. But um, I've had to accept that sometimes that message can't come from me. It has to come from a guy. How do you think? And so I sort of then make the assumption that sometimes some messages around diversity and particularly ethnic diversity for white women need to come from a white woman. And I have a kind of role to stand up and say, oh, actually, hang on a second there. How do you, how do we be good allies without taking over the conversation? Because that's what I'm always concerned about. I think that's a really good point. And I would say I slightly disagree with you. Just Great. A little bit. Go for it. Um, I would say the first thing in terms of uh, trying to get a message across to men and men not listening. Yeah. I think as women, we also need to look at ourselves. Yeah. We need to look at why men are not listening. What is it about how we are conveying that message that is turning them off? Yeah. And I think that often we sort of straight away, we demonize men. We sort of say they are the cause of all the problems. Yeah. And therefore, of course, because they're the cause of the problems, there's no way they're going to hear us. And I think we really need to reframe this feminist dialogue in a way that allows men to understand what their place is in it because i think what's Mm -hmm. happened is women have changed but we haven't acknowledged that for centuries men have been taught the wrong thing and we haven't taught them anything else so we've changed but in our households we're not teaching our sons something new you know in the workplace we're not actually having productive conversations with men as to why these things need to change so i think we also need to re-examine ourselves too Um, In terms of how white women can be allies, one of the things that I talk about in Diversify is the fact that there is a hierarchy of inclusion in society. And it's really important to know where you are on that hierarchy. 
And therefore, when you are fighting for equality, to make sure that you're not only fighting for women like yourself, because Mm -hmm. unless we have equality for everyone, no one is truly free. But also what is really important, and this is a point that I stress a lot, is that it cannot be done from a place of superiority or, or sort of sympathy or whatever. No, yeah. it has to be done in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of equal form of sisterhood. And a really great example of this is Gloria Steinem and Dorothy Pittman Hughes. Um, in the 60s, they co-founded Ms. Magazine, and they knew yeah. you had to have white women and African-American women together fighting for this cause, and that's why they were so effective. And I think that's really important. And I think what you guys do with your show every week is a wonderful demonstration of this. Oh, thank you. We try. Yeah, it is. It really is. I think one of the things for me I think is if I feel like I've learned something from the show, mm. then that for me feels like it's been a good show. Does that, you know, does that make sense? It's like, actually, yeah, yeah. if I feel yeah. like I've been a bit challenged, then yeah. then yeah. I know it's been challenging yeah. for everyone else. Totally. Um, I agree. June, what did you, when you wrote this book, mm. what was the change that you wanted to see happen because of it? And yeah. how far away do you think we are from that? Oh, what a wonderful question. Um, I think the change that I wanted to see was for us to really understand what it means to be other in our society and the majority of us are you know there is a Mm. tiny 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 sector of society that is truly included and truly allowed to fulfill their potential 100 percent so i.e you know if we are dealing with uh, an elite educated white privileged male Mm -hmm. who doesn't fulfill their potential Perhaps there may be familial reasons, there may be all sorts of reasons, but you know it's not necessarily societal reasons. And that is the difference for everybody else. There are societal impediments as to why the majority of people don't become all that they can be. And so what I do hope is that we understand more of what that feels like and what that lived experience is so that we start making different choices. I think that would be wonderful. If we could just encourage the world to do that a little bit. Yeah. It would be a better place. June, much better place. Thank you so much for joining us on our Badass Book Club. Uh, Diversify is out now. It is a just a brilliantly good educational read, but it is also fantastic for when you are in, let's call them strongly worded debates with people in the pub. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and you need a stat to back up your point. It is yeah. excellent for that. <laughs> And they are very well-researched stats, so they can back up your point. And also, just to say, Harry, a huge, huge thank you to what you three do every week. Oh, thank you. It's so important that we have this dialogue, so thank you. Thank you very much, Madeline. This has been the Badass Book Club in association with HQ Books and HarperCollins. If you have loved this chat, we've got more of them on our podcast. Do go check them out. Some of our favourite books from the last six months and come and talk to us about them on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour HR on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Come talk to us and tell us what you think about our Badass Book Club. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.